0: Hello, and welcome back to From My Mom's Basement, the podcast that used to be recorded directly from my mom's basement. However, today I must report to you that I am no longer in my mom's basement, and am broadcasting to you today from my new apartment in Hollywood, California. I'm your host, David Chamberlain, and this is episode 22 of the podcast, titled, This Dark, This Early, written by myself. Thank you all for listening. The rain came down hard and fast. White blisters exploded on the surface of the lake with each heavy droplet. I came away from the edge of the water and moved along the shore. Lights, orange and welcoming, began flashing to life on the other side of the lake. I moved towards them. The sun wasn't down yet, but the rain clouds were doing their best to make everything dark and cold. Inside, the resort was alive with people and music. Rain tapped against the windows as couples and families ate their dinner in the dining room. Everything was warm. I unraveled myself from my coat and scraped my boots off on the doormat. The backs of my shoulders were still a little wet from the rain, and a sneaky chill ran down my back. Mr. Carter? A young voice called. I turned towards the voice. A skinny boy in a maroon tuxedo was walking towards me, his hands outstretched. Please, he said, let me take your coat. He yanked the damp coat from my hands and folded it in half over his forearm. "Uh, Thank you, I mumbled. Of course, sir. He smiled and his acne danced across his face. Will you uh, be having dinner in your room again this evening? Or would you like to eat here in the dining room tonight? Um, I think I'll take it in here, I said, surprising myself. If that's all right with you. The boy nodded excitedly, almost bowing. Yes, it it would be our pleasure. Uh, Please, uh, allow me to take you to your table. We already have one prepared. Thank you, I said. Hmm? The kid asked. Uh, I just said thank you. The lanky kid smiled and turned and I followed him through the dining room, skirting around candlelit tables occupied by wealthy people in ugly clothes. They looked at me between bites of food. Some smiled, others frowned. We landed at the far end of the room. Things were quiet, and the light was dim. "'Will this be to your liking?' the kid asked, gesturing to a small table butted up against the windows. "'Uh, sure,' I said. "'This is great.' Still holding my coat, the kid pulled out a chair, and I sat down. He struggled to push me back beneath the table. Embarrassed, I waved him away. "'I'm fine,' I said. "'I'm fine.' "'Sir?' he said, nodding and trotting out of sight. The windows were now long rectangles of blackness. The lights and people were reflected back into the room, looking as if another dining room hung suspended out in the night, floating above the black lake. I saw my own face staring out, ugly, fat, and old. In the far distance, the lights of a boat blinked and strobed against the water. The rain stopped. The usual, Mr. Carter. A measured voice asked. A tall, dark featured man was standing over my table, his fingers steepled at his waist. He wore a black tuxedo and had a finely manicured beard, something he must have groomed every morning. Uh, yes, I said. I think so, but maybe. Maybe. I, th- I think I'd like to have some champagne tonight. Are we celebrating something, sir? The waiter asked with a shy smile. Oh, uh, no. I said, I, I don't think so, no, no occasion. The waiter smiled wide enough to show his brilliant set of teeth. Very good, sir. In that case, I'll bring out our finest. He winked and walked away. Sitting a few tables to my right was a handsome young couple who had already finished their dinner. They leaned over empty plates, digging their elbows into the tablecloth and whispering as if they might kiss. I watched their lips move in the candlelight flashing with emotion and desire. The man of the couple caught me staring and disengaged from his partner. Leaning back in his chair, he sipped some wine and shot me a dirty look. I dropped my gaze and pretended to wipe something off my pants. That was when the horrible realization came to me. I was the proverbial old creep. Moments later, a cold bottle of champagne was presented to me. The waiter uncorked the bottle and gold foam erupted from its mouth, sputtering sadly onto the carpet. A pair of old ladies jumped in their seats and looked in my direction, disgruntled and vicious. I ignored them. Handling the bottle and a champagne flute with his nimble fingers, the waiter poured a glass and set it in front of me. Foam rose to the top of the flute while little glittering bubbles clung to the glass. The green bottle was plunged into an ice bucket, which was perched on a special pedestal beside me. "'Will you be needing anything else, sir?' he asked. "'Does it always get this dark this early?' The waiter paused, looked out the dark windows, knitted his thick brow, and looked back down at me. "'I think so, sir,' he said, half sure. "'It tends to get this way in the fall and winter months.' I nodded. And the resort stays open through the whole season. Oh, yes, sir, the waiter said. We have skiers and so on. They keep the hotel busy. It's very nice here, I said. I'm sorry, sir, the waiter asked. Oh, I I just said it's very nice here. The waiter smiled as though what I had said were childish or simple. I'm glad you are enjoying yourself, sir. He marched away, scrutinizing each table he passed. I sipped my champagne. Outside there were docks lit by rows of golden lamps. People, shadowy and cold, walked along these wooden docks, hunching their shoulders against the wind. I could feel the cold radiating off the windows. My dinner was brought out to me by three different men, including my waiter. I guess each server was integral to my dining experience all playing a part in delivering my food. A plate of lobster and filet mignon was put before me with three smaller dishes laid out on the periphery. Enjoy, the waiter said, his two acolytes cowering behind him. I smiled and nodded, but didn't say a word. Somehow I felt that, no matter what I said, he wouldn't be able to hear me. Satisfied with their work, the waitstaff marched off once again. As I ate, I watched the dining room begin to empty. The young couple got up from their table and walked out of the room, the man holding the woman by her waist. She was a little tipsy. The old ladies hobbled out a little later on. One of them had a weird tremor, and this made me hate her. A family with two angry kids stood and left soon after that. The mother looked sad. Soon enough, I was one of the few remaining guests in the entire dining room. The music, wherever it was coming from, stopped. Silence prevailed. It was an eerie, haunting silence. Every now and then silverware clinked against China, and the sound of cooks arguing came from the kitchen, muffled and strange. I saw my wife then. I saw her sitting across the table from me, munching on something sweet. These visions came often back then, exploding out of nowhere like a random bloody nose, and had to be stopped up in just the same way, with constant force and pressure. I don't see her anymore. I couldn't eat much of my meal. My appetite was spoiled from too much champagne, or maybe I just didn't want to eat, I'm not sure. Whatever the case was, I found myself neglecting my food. I sat still and drank my champagne and looked out at the black lake. A small vessel came floating in from the darkness. Some men, clad in woolen sweaters, leapt off the boat and onto the dock, guiding the ship into the marina. They were rugged, tired men, unaffected by the cold. Fishermen, back from a day's excursion. How would that be? I thought. How would that life be? E- 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 excuse me? A voice asked. I saw his reflection in the window. It was a middle aged man with a head almost as bald as mine. He wore wire framed glasses, and his chin tapered into his neck. A thin ribbon of facial hair was the only partition separating his neck from his head. He was ugly. I don't like ugly people. I turned to face him, making sure I looked unapproachable. Yes, what is it? He swallowed. Are are you Ed, Ed Carter, the film director? I set my champagne down and grimaced. I was him, yeah. The ugly man kind of laughed, unsure if I was being ironic. Well, I just... I just wanted to say that I love your work. You're a... Uh, you're a profound artist. Was, I said. Sorry? He asked. I said I was a profound artist. I don't work anymore. The ugly man frowned. You'll always be one of the greats. I felt bile working its way up my throat. It took all the strength I had to not vomit right then and there. Just... Out of curiosity, I said, what work of mine do you happen to enjoy? The ugly man scratched his non-existent chin and pretended to do something like thinking. I, uh, I think everyone agrees that digital v. analog is your masterpiece. Uh-huh, I said. And do you know how old I was when I wrote that? Young. Nineteen. Nineteen years old, that movie was made forty-seven years ago. The ugly man nodded, pretending to understand. What about, uh, Time Out of Time or Black Book? Do you like those films? The ugly man shrugged. I'm... I'm sorry, I, uh, I can't say I've heard of those ones. That's a shame, I said. Those ones are fairly new, and no one, including yourself, saw them. You know why? Um, No, I I don't, because they're terrible. That's why. I'm I'm sorry, the ugly man said, backing away. I, I, I didn't mean to offend you. I should have taken dinner in my room. What? The ugly man asked. I said I should have taken dinner in my room. The ugly man squinted. He rubbed his eyes as if trying to clear them of some defect and walked away without another word. Frustrated, I stood up from my table and exited the dining room, leaving my steak and lobster virtually untouched. I walked into the lobby looking for the pimply kid who stole my coat. He was sitting behind the front desk, his round head bent over a ledger. Excuse me, I said. The kid looked up from his ledger and smiled. Mr. Carter, how was your dining experience? Fine. I want my coat, please. Yes, sir, he said. Scrambling towards a closet behind the desk, he returned a few moments later, holding my coat out in front of him like a parade banner. "'Going for a night stroll, sir?' The kid asked. "'I don't know,' I said, taking my coat. "'Pardon?' The kid asked. "'I don't know!' I donned my coat, ran my arms through its heavy sleeves, and stood in the middle of the lobby, looking from my left, to my right, and back to my left again. The whole place was empty not a single patron in sight. It was just me and the zit-faced kid. Across the lobby were windows three stories tall, floor to ceiling, which looked out onto the lake and the shadowy mountains beyond. My reflection stood in them, small and alone and surrounded by blackness. Is there a problem, sir? The kid asked. No, I said. No, No, no problem. Sir? The kid asked again. ''Is there a problem? What's wrong?'' ''No!'' I shouted. ''There isn't a problem! I just said there wasn't a problem! Are you deaf? Is everyone here deaf?'' The kid moved around the desk and walked towards me with his head cocked in curious concern, as if he were approaching a helpless animal. ''Mr. Carter,'' he said in a soft voice. ''Are... are you right?" My chest tightened and my throat started to close. I brushed past the kid and ran out of the lobby, desperate for some of that fresh, cold air. Coming down the steps from the entrance, I turned and ran full speed towards the road, uphill and through the tall grass. The wind burnt my face, and the ground was wet, and mud collected against my shoes, making them heavy. When I finally came to the road, I was out of breath and dizzy. Down below me, the resort stood as a quaint building, its windows punching yellow holes into the deep night. Snaking along the mountainside, the road was a long gray streak in the darkness, weaving its way down around the lake and across the valley beyond. There were headlights down there, bright little eyes moving fast some miles away. I thought that maybe, if I listened closely, I could hear the roar of that car's engine, and that maybe the car was going somewhere sweet and secluded, and that I could join it there. And be away from everything. That was episode 22 of the podcast, titled This Dark, This Early, written, edited, produced, and narrated by myself, with the music being by Kevin McLeod. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you all for listening.